and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io This is a special episode previewing the upcoming Stretch Leadership and Management Conference. And my guest today is going to be a speaker there, which is really exciting. So without further ado, let me welcome Alison McMillan on the show. She is Director of Engineering at GitHub, and I would love to have her tell us a bit about herself. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so Director of Engineering at GitHub. Outside of that, I've got two kids that are three and six, so they keep me pretty busy. I love traveling. Obviously, I've not really been able to do that recently, but it is a thing that I enjoy. I really like baking, although I haven't had quite as much time for that since kids. So now I just, I pretend that I bake a lot. And yeah, I'm I'm actually trying to also get back to doing some more blog posting and that sort of stuff. Some of the things that went on hiatus during, uh, during COVID. Yes, that's a little bit about me. Oh, and I'm based in Washington, D.C. How awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those details. And without further ado... Today, we have a really awesome, interesting, cool, unheard of, maybe heard of topic, planning virtual offsites for your team. First of all, let's define what virtual offsites are. Yeah, so I think of an offsite as any time that you have a full day or more than one day set aside to uh, dig into topics or discussions to dig deeper than what you can really get to in, you know, an hour long meeting or sort of throughout the rest of your responsibilities of the day. And then obviously a virtual offsite is having to plan that connection, make that time, make that space all virtually as opposed to sort of getting together in person. Okay. First of all, when you said that, I was thinking like, isn't the point of an offsite to be offsite? So... Like, can you square that circle for me without like, or even with jumping into like the whole nitty gritty of it? If I'm sitting right here, which I am sitting right here most of the time at this point, And if I go to a virtual offsite, should I go to the coffee shop down the street or should I stay at home? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think of an offsite more as like a, Uh, especially virtually as like a creating time and space for something. So um, this is going to sound sort of silly, but it's, it's sort of a, like an offsite state of mind as opposed to necessarily having to go somewhere else. Now, sometimes for some folks, I think that it, helps them to go somewhere else, whether it's, you know, still at their house, but not at their desk or to a coffee shop or, you know, a co-working location or something for that time. But I think it's mostly about getting your brain into a place where you're not thinking about all the day-to-day tasks. You're not thinking about the ticket that you have to work on next or those sorts of things, but you're really putting your brain and yourself into a different place. And I have a few 
tips and things that we can maybe talk about later as to things that I've done with my uh, team to help them get into that sort of offsite state of mind. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That was an awesome answer. And I love the fact that we can be in a state of mind for an offsite. But then again, a lot of people here are listeners from tech companies and of uh, leaders who manage tech companies. How should we make it sound important to them? I know this is kind of outdated, but I still sometimes have to struggle with like making sure that we have a point of creating an offsite, you know, like why are these events important for a company? Yeah, I think it's important for a few reasons. Usually most offsites have an aspect of getting to know other people on your team. So offsites also can be, they can be anywhere from two people to 30 people. And based on how many people are in your offsite, it's going to change how long it is, what your agenda looks like, what the goals are, etc. But, you know, mostly I think that there's always a little bit of fun and sort of team bonding and getting to know one another, a little bit of like getting excited for what's coming up and a little bit of making sure that you're aligning everyone. So everyone's sort of getting on the same page about something. And then I like to say there's also sort of a little sprinkle of special, right? I think it's really important, especially in virtual offsites that you create an atmosphere and things that really feel like you're pulling people out of their day to day out of the normal. And so, you know, in terms of making it making it important, you know, I I think that it's really important to communicate in advance, like, what are the goals? What is the agenda? What what does that look like? And then also communicating externally, like one of the things that I do in advance is make sure that any team that we interact with knows that we will be unavailable on specific days for a specific amount of time. So, you know, starting two weeks before and then, you know, the week before and then the day before, just reminding, making sure, like encouraging folks to put it on their Slack status, to put it in, you know, common channels that people pop into to ask us questions uh, so that it's really like a, it's a known thing. Like, hey, we're not, we're not available this week because we are tackling these, these bigger topics at an offsite. Awesome. Thank you so much. With that said, you mentioned that it can be from two people to 30 people and, uh, so I'm thinking, is this usually for a team you manage? Because first I was thinking it's for the entire company or like a larger chunk, like an entire department. Since it's virtual, it's even, you know, like, oh, it makes sense. Everybody can join from their home, but it doesn't or does it? Please tell us. Yes. So a variety of sizes. I've done them for, you know, my my peers. So at GitHub, uh, engineering works really closely with product and design and sort of these EPD squads or groups. So I've done it, you know, for, for the three of us where it's EPD and we're, you know, getting on the same page, getting to know each other, etc. I've done it for my leadership team. So that is sort of myself, the engineering managers that report to me, plus my product and design counterparts and product managers and designers that report to them. So it's a slightly bigger group, maybe somewhere between six and 10. And then I've also run them for my department, which is sort of upwards of around 30, 30 plus individuals. Awesome. So a variety of sizes for sure. Yes. So with that said, 
Tell us about some of the challenges of planning a virtual offsite. What are some of the things that someone has to be watchful for? Yeah, I, I mean, there are multiple challenges. And I think the most important thing to keep in mind for a virtual offsite is that it will not be the same as an in-person offsite. I, I think that one of the places where, where things sort of go wrong is if you're trying to recreate the exact experience that you would have in person online, it's it's just, it's going to feel weird. And the better thing to do is sort of think about like, okay, well, what can I do virtually that I can't do in person? Or what could that, um, what could that look like? I think some of the things that are the most challenging are um, time zones. So we have in one offsite that I planned, we were distributed across the US. That wasn't so bad as, you know, three hour time difference between East and West Coast. But I've done another one where we've been split from West Coast all the way through Europe. So, you know, we're looking at seven-ish hours difference between folks. And so you have to be really mindful about how much synchronous time you have offering. I do sort of a a chunk of synchronous time and then what I call time zone friendly options. So you do sort of the same thing or similar options, but offered in two different times so that folks can join the one that fits in with their with their schedule best. And then you have to also account in time zones for like for meal times. So breaks tend to be a little longer because you're like you're trying to give every like everyone 30 minutes around lunchtime and everyone 15 minutes around like you're you're where you might normally take a five or 10 minute break. You take longer breaks because of Zoom fatigue and just the like there's a different level of fatigue spending an entire day virtually compared to, you know, when you're in person and then also accounting for those meal times. You don't get the same sort of like serendipitous interactions you you can you can create really great spaces for those to happen but you have to create the spaces you're not gonna just like discover that somebody doesn't like tomatoes because you see them picking it out of their omelet in the morning and that strikes up a conversation about the best tomato that you ever ate or you know like those those things that just sort of happen when you're uh when you're in person it's harder for those to take place and then i think Finally, there are just more distractions at home. I have two little kids and I'm finally, they're, you know, finally back at school and in sort of their childcare settings, but for a long time they weren't. A lot of folks are still working from home, multiple people at home, multiple, you know, like, oh, a package is at the door, oh, uh, all those sorts of things. I also, for myself, when I go to an offsite in person, I have no mom responsibilities, right? I'm I'm completely off duty. And when I'm home, even if I say I'm going to be in this thing through dinner time or whatever, I, there's just there's no way that I don't get interrupted at least once. So there's there's also there's just more distractions. You're also sitting in front of your computer and things pop up and if your focus or concentration veers a little bit, it you know, like veers onto Twitter if you're, and you have to sort of remind yourself like, oh, no, 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 I should be focused. I have to close the windows. I have to close the distractions, etc. Or if you're not as vigilant about telling your coworkers, you might uh, get some work-related issues, which I think are even harder to say no to when you're working. Anyway, so 
Like you have mentioned a few things that will definitely make it work. Make sure communication is in order for your team and for the rest of the company. And then make sure that you have given some tips to the people who are uh, participating to perhaps like leave their house if they need to, or like create a little space and close tabs and all that. But what are some other things that can make or break a virtual offsite? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely making sure that folks are pulling themselves out of their day to day and out of their out of their regular work is super important. You know, I think another pretty big make or break is having really engaging and interactive activities and sessions, especially for a virtual offsite. If you just have a bunch of like PowerPoint presentations or, you know, just sort of a bunch of frontal content, folks are going to lose interest. They're going to tune out. They're going to, you know, it's, it's going to be really difficult, but if you have really engaging and interactive things that, uh, that, that you're doing, um, that's super helpful. I know like I have a bunch of stuff that I've done in the past. Luma Institute has a bunch of good methodologies. Like there are lots of different ways and tools to really sort of facilitate that mixing up who presents it's really important to me that i'm not the only voice that folks are hearing from for multiple days in a row so oftentimes i'll sort of put out an agenda or like a, you know here are our goals and i'll ask for volunteers who wants to who wants to facilitate a session is there a session that you're most in and i'll work with them in advance on like okay what methodology do you want to use what are you like what are you going for to you know to make sure that it's really engaging and interactive but i think different people have different styles different voices like it's really important to get that um to to get that variety during the offsite. Some things that aren't necessarily must-haves, but are sort of nice-to-haves. One of the things that I did that folks really enjoy is uh, travel days. So if we were going to an offsite in person, for our company, usually they're a week, with Monday and Friday being travel days and Tuesday through Thursday being sort of core core content. So I still make Monday and Friday travel days, even for a even for a virtual offsite. What I encourage people to do is sort of travel your brain to get to wherever you need to be for the offsite, right? So it gives people a little bit of time or space to tackle anything that might be distracting for them throughout the offsite. It's much easier to communicate company-wide, hey, we're going to be out for this week as opposed to like we're going to be out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Because if you do that, then like the chances of getting pinged on something on Monday and then having it bleed over into Tuesday or Wednesday is like there's a higher likelihood. And then you can use those travel days for sort of for fun stuff like on Fridays, I encourage folks to like hop into Zooms and hit like, oh, you've just like had all this team bonding time like use friday for coffee chats to grab lunch with someone because because that's what people would be doing normally and on monday we also usually have a a tools training so that's was doing really engaging and interactive sessions it's helpful if people have sort of played around with the tool in advance so my tool of choice is mural i think it's great there's like a ton of templates and flexibility, et cetera. So I'll set up a board, like a practice board for everybody in advance. And I'll say like, at some point during your travel day, 
here's the instructions, hop in. And on the board, it has like five or six different stations or boxes. And it's like, put an image here, put a post-it here, move this thing around, just a few different things that I know that we're going to be doing throughout the offsite so that they get comfortable with the tool. And then finally, I send everyone an offsite box for offsites. I think it's important to not assume that everyone has whatever materials they need for the offsite. And I think it's important to provide them with those materials. You can also then do some like really fun stuff with those materials. So I will send everyone a box of things before the offsite. We could talk about sort of what I like to put in that box. But so the other thing that we do on the Monday travel day is, is an unboxing. So I encourage folks to put those boxes aside uh, until the week of the offsite and then like hop into Zooms to get, you know, and somebody will just in our Slack water cooler channel be like, oh, I'm going to like, I want to open my box. Who wants to jump into a Zoom with me? And people will, you know, jump in together and, and unbox together and be able to sort of like discover what fun things I've sort of sent them in their offsite box. Thank you so much. You are like secret center. Not so secrets. I love it. I think this is really great. Like I want to go. So now we are like sort of jumping on this. And this is like so exciting. I really want to hear what you you have to say. Like what's your concept for a virtual offset? Like you said, you know, you have had the team communicate it with all the other teams. And Monday comes and they are like travel day, like getting the mental state of going to an offsite, even though you're home and like opening up the packages and then Tuesday comes. Yeah. So I start with like a framing, actually every, the beginning of every day and at the end of every day, I do sort of like a framing and like, what are our goals for the day? And then at the end of the day, like a cool, here's a recap of like what we did today. And at the, so at the start at the kickoff on Tuesday, I'll do a a slightly more extended framing that talks about the three days as you sort of develop the agenda sometimes you can sort of theme days into like day one is past day two is present day three is future day one is get to know your direct team day two is get to know the department day three is like focus on stuff that's more company-wide so like so that each day sort of builds on the previous day other times it's a little bit the themes don't work out quite as well day by day because I try to balance heavier conversations and lighter conversations, right? Like if we're going to have a, if we're going to have a two hour workshop or something that I know is going to be like, like a heavier topic or something like people are like really going to have to engage with, I don't want to do a second, like really heavy topic. I want to do something that's beneficial and that's helpful, but not a second heavier topic that people are going to, because your brain just gets exhausted. So yeah, on day one, I usually start with get to know you sort of activities. And then throughout, it's really sort of the arc of recognizing like, okay, where people's energy levels will be, what we've done the day before, what you want to accomplish. There should be sort of like a story that goes through the offsite and ends with like a cool. So here's everything that we did over the last three days. Like here's some of the fun stuff. Here's some of the serious stuff. Here's some of the decisions that we made. And here are next steps, right? So making sure that end the offsite with next steps and knowing who is going to tackle each of those next steps and how people can stay up to date on the progress of those next steps. Right. Thank you. 
And then you have Friday for another travel day and you can make more friends and hang out and have virtual coffee dates. Yeah. Or such. just rest. I mean, like offsites are they're mentally exhausting, you know, like whether you're in person or virtual, you're dealing with people a lot more than you would on a regular day to day basis. You're using your brain a different way. You're interacting, engaging in these topics that frequently you care deeply about and you want to make sure to get to some resolution or to move something forward. Um, And so often also by Friday, you're just like, ooh, I'm tired. Like, I just want to hang out with people and chill and, you know, so. I love it. Thank you. So with that said, you have given us like a nice overview. And I'm wondering, I love the themed days. I think those are like so fun and also make it like more memorable if people think back to like what happened on day one and day two. But what are some goals that can be realistically set for for a virtual offsite? You have mentioned that, you know, it's a different kind of vibe sometimes because just it's not the same as as, uh, meeting in person. So what are the things that we can anticipate from a virtual offsite? Yeah, I mean, I think how you get there is different with a virtual offsite than an in-person one, but I think that the goals can be the same, right? So one topic that we frequently cover is sort of looking at what's the values and culture of our department? What do we feel like we do really well? And what are the things that we want to improve upon? That's something that you can run as a department retro, but you can dig deeper into it when you're all together. Most recently, we did sort of like, what are our values and what are our guiding principles? In the past, we've done, um, what does success look like? Right. And, and sort of like from and in these offsites, you often have uh, engineering product and design. And so it's a really great place to see and to also discuss if there are conflicting ideas about what success looks like so that we can get on the same page and we can sort of come out of this and move forward with the next six months of whatever we're doing. Sometimes we will have roadmap conversations and that could be less sort of like presenting or revisiting the roadmap and sort of diving deeper into, um, into, into certain aspects. We have done some game days. So some like really fun sort of on-call practice things that people really enjoy doing all together. It takes a little bit of the anxiety out of the situation if you're doing it in a breakout with, with the whole group and everyone's sort of like in that game day mentality. So yeah, I think that you can still accomplish all of the goals that you would have at a regular offsite, visioning, road mapping, team culture and values, technical deep dives, uh, like, oh, you know, we recently explored this area and somebody is sort of sharing with peers or doing a walkthrough of, you know, of some gnarly part of the code base sort of thing. So like increasing knowledge in an area and then and then getting to know you's right like that you won't have as many serendipitous interactions. But you know, there definitely is there are like a ton of fun icebreakers ways to sort of get get to know folks, etc. And so I think that, yeah, I think there are a ton of options from We've done a number of Airbnb virtual experiences. I think that's been like a plus of the pandemic is that Airbnb started offering all of these virtual experiences. And like, we've done some some really, really good ones. And yeah, there are lots of ways that you can sort of bend 
mural and zoom and all these different virtual tools to your will to do breakouts to you know as the host to, to switch people around to do all sorts of really fun stuff awesome thank you and um so when you mentioned doing like asynchronous things do you have people do like besides the box and i'm really interested in the box but like besides the box are there any other things that people who are not presenting but just participating need to do in advance or if you have like tasks to accomplish between day one and day two for example like are there any of those sorts of things yeah so it's it's not homework or like tasks to accomplish it's just it's space that fits in uh, more with different people's time zones so for example so I'm east coast time so our offsite might be 11 to 2 or 3 p.m sort of my synchronous time and then there'll be a um, an optional session or sessions from 9 to 10 30 my time which fits better with East Coasters who wake up early, Europeans, et cetera. And then there will be another one from, you know, 4.30 to 6, which fits better with, you know, West Coasters, East Coasters that sort of like to work the, you know, the, the 10 to 6 uh, spread as opposed to the, you know, 8 to 4 or 9 to 5 spread. So those are different sort of time zones. And we'll do... We'll do a variety of things. I will do uh, like just a... A crafting hour where basically people just sort of like log on and hang out and you know this gets a little bit to what gets sent in the box but you know so crafting time we've done one thing that my department really loves to do is an unconf in each of those time zones so basically an unconf is whoever wants to participate in the un in the unconf you log on and the first like 10 minutes is deciding what the schedule will be So people sort of put up post-its and then the post-its that get the top votes, we usually do 20-minute sessions, three 20-minute parallel sessions. So it's sort of six, six options total. But it's essentially like you get in there, that becomes the schedule for the day. And it's all sorts of stuff. Sometimes it's like, what TV shows do you like to watch? And other times it's like, what should the future of pull requests look like? So it can really sort of vary in, in what folks want to talk about. But yeah, like we always do an unconf in each of the time zone friendly spots. That's actually such a popular session that usually people will actually try to make the unconf that's outside of their time zone as well. <laughs> Because it's just so much fun to like throw a bunch of ideas out there, vote and, you know, have these like casual conversations with, with colleagues about whatever the sort of top voted things are. I think what else we've done in time zone friendly times, we have done a few sort of like deep dive learning sessions. When we do deep dive learning sessions, we do record those so that folks who aren't in that time zone can watch them later. I always open it up to the department and say like, if you want to run a time zone friendly time and fill it with a board game hour or a whatever Let me know and we'll, you know, we'll put it on the schedule. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. That clears up a lot of things and that makes it sound even more fun. Okay. I have a question here about like ground rules. First of all, the, my, my thinking was like, do you have rules? Like everybody put away your phone. I don't think you can enforce those rules. So there is not really a point in making that sort of a rule, but are there any kind of 
make sure you have this or that. Of course, you need to have some kind of an internet connection. So besides those, and we can like talk about the box now, maybe. Yeah, in terms of rules, it the devices thing is challenging, right? Because if we were a, a frequent sort of ruler agreement at in-person offsites is computers closed, phones to the side, et cetera. You obviously can't do that virtual, but you can sort of put a an emphasis on staying engaged with the with the topic, with what's going on, with with your colleagues. You know, we often talk about like muting and unmuting, making sure that someone doesn't speak twice until more speak more people speak once, sort of thing. You know, I think a lot of those are pretty similar to sort of group rules or rules or contracts that you would that you would likely have in person yeah okay and so some of the nice to have things yes for example if i had a director of engineering who sent me a box what would be in that box okay so i actually didn't realize this until i'd run a few offsites but i actually have like a i have like a box formula this isn't like an everyone box formula this is just what i like to do so one thing to keep in mind is like Boxes don't have to be like really sophisticated. Like you can actually put a fun box together for like really, really cheap. But okay, so if we're going to be doing anything with like post-its or whiteboards or whatever, again, I never want to assume that anyone has those those things on hand. So any sort of office supplies, I will send those. I like to send something that's fun and whimsical. So I sent um, one offsite. I actually doubled sort of the whiteboard and the whimsy. And I sent these headbands that had like a whiteboard speech bubble sticking out of it. And those were amazing and hilarious because like I wrote like welcome on mine when people were first logging in or people would like write funny messages and like put their headband on. So yeah, something that's just sort of like a little bonkers and like a little fun off the wall, a craft kit. So again, we like, we do these crafting times. I can talk about a really cool activity that I once ran with a, with a crafting set, but you know, some, like something that gets people's a different side of their brain working and going. So yeah, one time we did uh, use your craft kit to make like a self-portrait. And then people shared their self-portraits. It was a ton of fun. So a craft kit, I like to send a children's book with a main character that is a character of color. That sort of diversity piece is important to me. But the reason for the children's book is, you know, we we read a lot of like grown-up, like adult books on management, on communicating with other people, on coding, on technical concepts, et cetera. But frequently you can find those similar concepts in children's books. And it's just like, it's fun to let yourself sort of get into that space and like read a child's book. And so often it's about, you know, like capturing your imagination or like building new great things or working together or, you know, just something sort of fun and and interesting in, in that way. And then last thing that I always send is a snack. Because I think snacks are very important. Um, I did one offsite where I made my life pretty difficult. And I actually asked everyone. I gave them four snack preferences. And I asked everyone for their preference. And then I sent them specifically the snack that was their, 
was their preference. And then for a different one, I'd found like a fun gourmet snack that I could bulk upload a spreadsheet of addresses and everyone would get the same thing. But yeah, the, the last one I sent was these like candy coated, this like candy coated popcorn and all these like really sort of interesting, weird flavors. I think snacks are important. And then I always allow people to expense like not every meal, but up to three meals, up to two meals. Like, because again, if you were at an offsite, these are like sort of the little nice things that you would, you know, that you would be able to do. It also gives another opportunity for those sort of serendipitous connections because you can be like, oh, what'd you get for lunch? What'd you get for, you know, like it's that it creates that conversation that can happen virtually. So yeah, that's sort of my box kick. Thank you so much. This is a random intermezzo that I just thought of. I facilitated two retrospectives today and for one, the checkout and for one, the check-in was what snack would you be and why? So please, if you would like to tell our listeners, maybe this will get cut out, but I'm really interested now. (laughs) What snack would I be and why? Um, Chocolate covered pretzels. So good. So, so good. So basically, you would be chocolate-covered pretzels because they are so good. <laughs> yeah. All there's right. like a balance of like sweet and salty and, you know, it's just, there's, yeah, they're so good. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for jumping on the fun train with me. <laughs> with that said, here is a question for a story. If you could tell us a fun story or a success story about a virtual offsite that you've led. I love the idea about like sending everybody their favorite snack, but that also sounds like a really tedious job for you. (laughs) Like what was something that you've tried and succeeded at, like some story that made you feel really content at the end when you concluded? I always send a feedback survey after the offsites, which have been really fun to read because People enjoy them. And I've had a lot of folks say that even compared to the in-person offsites that they've been to, that it was just like like a ton of fun and they feel like they like got to know folks and learned a lot, etc. We did an activity where I sent everyone these craft kits. Everyone had the same craft kit. And I wanted to do an activity based on like communication and recognizing communication, communication styles, communication when we are forced to be virtual all the time, right? When we can't get together in person. And so we did this thing where folks were broken up into groups of three. And in every group of three, there was a builder, an architect, and I can't remember if it was just a teammate or like a third. There's there's a third person observer. I can't remember what I called that person. But the idea was that the architect had five minutes to build something. And so they had to turn off their cameras. And they had five minutes to build something. And then I put the architects into into their breakout rooms. And I put the person who wasn't the builder, so the, the extra teammate into that breakout room. And the architect showed what they crafted to the extra person. And then the builder, so the builder then had to build whatever the architect had made, but without seeing what the architect had made. Put the builder into the breakout room and they had 
it wasn't that much time. I think it was like seven minutes, eight minutes, something like something that was more than five minutes because that's how much time the architects got. But it was eight minutes and like only one person could talk at a time. But both the, the architect and the teammate could sort of explain and the builder had to build. But again, without seeing what the architect originally right. built. And so then at the end of the time, brought everyone back together and the from each group, the architect and the builder shared what they had built. And then, you know, some of them looked like similar. Some of them looked totally different. And then we had a discussion about communication, right? So it was like, what parts of that were difficult? This is like a great engineering lesson, right? Because an architect was like, oh, well, I didn't realize that I was going to have to explain this to the right. builder without them seeing it. So I built this really complicated thing really quickly, which I'm sort of really familiar with. And then it was really hard to explain to this person. There were some builders that were like, yeah, they were trying to explain it to me. And I had no idea what we were trying to build. And it, you know, there's so many parallels and connections with code, right? When people try to do really like interesting, fancy, complex approaches to solving problems. But then other people have to maintain that code base. Other people have to right. jump into that code. Other people have to be able to understand that code. And we had like a really great conversation about communication and about like, which parts of this would have been easier in person, which parts of this would have been more difficult, what what would have been exactly the same. So it's just like a really I knew that I wanted to do something that helped people sort of think about and recognize communication and communication styles and things like complexity and et cetera. But I wanted to do it in a really fun way. And people loved it. It was so much fun. At the end, people were like, wow, I had no idea that that's what we were doing. Like so fun and cool and a fun way to sort of approach that really interesting sort of topic and really engage with it. Right. And I'm sure the feedbacks came back with like being all fun and, and amazed by the idea of communications. Thank you for that story. That was really uplifting and fun. So I really don't want to go into the common mistakes because I feel like we started out by saying, don't expect it to be the same as... And I feel like the last two years have really made us kind of realize the virtual spaces are not the same as the offline spaces and so we shouldn't be expecting people to behave the same and we shouldn't expect ourselves to be the same is there any like mistakes that you want to like jump on and share yeah i think honestly i think probably the the biggest one is frontal presentations and that's not to say that you should never have any slides or like that slides shouldn't be a part of the offsite at all but like if you have too much, it's like too much information for folks to absorb without actually like engaging with and interacting with the information. It's honestly too easy to just sort of like tune out virtually and then be like, oh, well, I'll just read the deck later. Like not a big deal. I think that really coming up with ways to be engaging and interactive and again, add some more of that sort of like whimsy and fun to these topics that you're getting everyone aligned on, getting everyone sort of engaging with. Most definitely. Thank you so much. We have covered a lot of ground regarding virtual offsites. I honestly am pumped up for them right now. Like I didn't think I would be because I'm kind of having the Zoom fatigue after like having been sitting here for a year and a half or two. I am 
thinking, oh, maybe I just want to do like offline things. But now I feel like with the right kind of orchestration, a virtual offsite can really be something that bonds people and something that makes people work together in a really fun way. Would you like to add anything else to the topic? I don't think so. I'm excited to speak about this at the conference and yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for giving us a glimpse. With that said, where can our listeners or watchers follow your work? Probably the best place is uh, on Twitter. I'm at Ali, uh, A-L-L-I-E underscore P on Twitter. It's probably the, the best place. I tweet about, I don't know, management, leadership, kid nonsense, all that sort of good stuff. Everything. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Dearest listeners and watchers, thank you so much for staying with Level Up Engineering. Till the very end, we talked with Alison McMillan, Director of Engineering at GitHub, about planning virtual offsites for your team. With that said, thank you, Alison, so much for joining us and sharing so many tips about virtual offsites. I can't wait to see you at the Stretch Conference. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.